Hey, welcome to today's podcast. There's one thing on my mind, and it is The Great Reset and how it touches absolutely everything in your life. And every story you will see that is in the news cycle today revolves and folds right in to The Great Reset, which is the name of my new book. You can get it at glensnewbook.com. Make sure you read it. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So we found out a couple of things yesterday that are quite disturbing, quite disturbing. Uh, Yesterday, we found out that in North Carolina, they're going to start doing operations uh, against domestic terrorists. These are people that uh, want to overthrow the government, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing all of these exercises. This is the Bubba effect. This is what the special forces told me in the Carolinas back in 2004, I think, that there would come a time. Well, we are at that time, and special forces are going to be doing exercises in the next couple of months in the Carolinas, fighting pretty much guerrilla warfare against domestic terrorists. So now, I don't have a problem with that if you're a domestic terrorist, but how are you defining that? We also found out yesterday that apparently the education secretary, Cardona, was the one who asked the National School Board for the letter comparing the protesting parents to domestic terrorists. The uh, education Department of Education is denying that. Of course they would, but we, we don't know for sure. Fox News says they have um, gone through the memos and they can prove it, but we'd like to see the evidence uh, of that. That is extraordinarily disturbing. That means the guy who is our head of our education uh, for the uh, country He served originally as Connecticut's education uh, uh, secretary. He is a big fan of teachers becoming much more woke. He promoted resources on microaggressions while he was in um, uh, Connecticut. He is a lefty, and he's pushing it. Now, the, the word comes out is that he actually wrote and said, can I get a letter from the school board describing these guys as engaged in domestic terrorism um, and, uh, and we'll follow up on that. If that's true, that means the Biden administration is leading the assault on the American people. That should not come as, honestly, a surprise to anyone. We also found out yesterday that there is a new DOJ domestic terrorism unit. Um, The Justice Department officially announced yesterday a domestic terrorism unit. Uh, This was during the opening remarks uh, for testimony uh, about the Capitol riot. This is extraordinarily disturbing because they are looking at you and me as domestic terrorists. Joe Biden was in Georgia, what was it, yesterday or the day before, and he was talking about the filibuster, and he was talking about this, uh, quote, you know, new civil rights voting act. It's not. It's a one-party bill. Don't give it any credibility by calling it a civil rights act. It is a one-party bill. It is a way for one party to take control of absolutely everything at the federal level. It is extraordinarily dangerous and must be stopped. So they are now saying, Joe Biden said, that if you're not with 
if you're not with him, you are with the Confederacy. That you are actually a follower of Jefferson Davis if you don't follow him on this filibuster and the the uh, new one party bill that they are pushing. So now they're looking at domestic terrorists and we can't get any real answers on anything. There is no transparency. Let me ask you, does your government work for you or not? Is our government afraid of even our elected leaders? Yesterday, it was on full display that the answer is no. Can you please play the long version of uh, the testimony in front of uh, the Senate with Ted Cruz asking uh, our Justice Department and FBI, was anybody involved from the FBI in January 6th? Listen to this and tell me, who is the servant and who is the slave? I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents FBI or agents confidential or informants confidential actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents any or confidential FBI informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents any F- or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, Ms. who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot of well, people who are understandably very, very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's excha- explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at, Ms. Sanburn, a lot of Americans are concerned. 
that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thanks. Uh, that is extraordinarily disturbing uh, that they are not answering any questions. Now, they picked Ray Epps up in, uh, I think, November. They interviewed him. They will not release any of the transcripts, any of the information. Why is this coming to light right now? He didn't do anything illegal. Saying go into the Capitol is protected free speech. Uh, that is, it is insane that all of these people are being charged with uh, criminal trespassing and everything else just for walking into the Capitol. But strangely, Ray Epps, the guy who is telling everyone to walk into the Capitol, never actually walked into the Capitol building himself on that day. So he encouraged others. He was opening the doors, but he never did anything. Um, we don't have any idea. We know this guy was an Oath Keeper. He, the Oath Keepers were involved with the FBI informants, uh, which was about half of them on the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case. This could very well likely be, especially as we find out what the school board uh, it, it was requested by the Secretary of Education, this seems to be a pattern possible possible pattern the question that i have is where is the transparency and is anyone going to be held accountable they are not afraid of our senators they are not afraid of congress i get nailed because they'll say the new york times said i was inciting violence when i was saying don't go to the capitol don't react this way but I was saying I could understand how people are frustrated and feel this way because I can. The New York Times wants to cancel my podcast, my radio broadcast uh, and the blaze and want to put us on a, a, a list. So we our voices cannot be heard because I was encouraging the January 6th. I did nothing of the sort. They can go for that, but Ray Epps can say, let's go in tomorrow. You know, we got to take it. We got to go into the Capitol, and that's not a problem. I agree with that being protected speech. However, where is the protection for everyone else? Who is actually fighting that has any teeth? If you want this to change, you must stand up right now. You must stand up and call Ted Cruz, call your senators, call damn frickin' worthless Mitch McConnell and say, this has got to stop. They have got to answer to the law. This is an oversight committee. Who is in charge, the FBI or the people? Once the people are not in charge and are not allowed to see the secret documents, we are toast. Toast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I, I do not want to be the bearer of of bad news. Uh, I always seem to be in that situation. Uh, but this is the most important topic I have ever addressed in my life. I was having a conversation with my my wife last night and I said, honey, you know, even our friends, our friends who are very involved in things. I said, do you know any of them that are really up on this, are concerned about this? And she said, mm, no, maybe one or two are kind of, you know, um, looking into things and asking you questions, but they're not really doing anything. And I said, why? Why? She said, it's paralyzing. It's too terrifying. And I know that. I'm, I'm painting a picture. I started uh, something, uh, uh, a painting last night about uh, World War II on the beaches of, of Normandy. And it was inspired by something I was reading uh, the other day. I was, I've been reading some Eisenhower. And, uh, and on D-Day, he put out something that said, the eyes of the world are upon you. You are about to commence on a, uh, a historic journey. There is nothing but victory. This is the attitude. This is our World War II. This is fighting fascism, just as it was in World War II. And we must put everything into it. The problem is we don't have leadership right now that will lead. So the people must lead. When there is a lack of vision, the people perish. So here's the vision. You first have to know what the Great Reset is. And I urge all of our, we have a lot of listeners that listen to us all over the world. In Canada, please become a zealot for this book. In England, become a zealot. France, Germany, Italy, uh, Hungary, um, uh, Poland, the Ukraine, in parts of the Middle East, in parts of Africa, anywhere there is freedom you must be aware of the great reset and justin correct me if i'm wrong i haven't had much time and i know you haven't either just doing the research on this book but is there anything in the world that is explaining this like this book this is it this is the world's authority on this now isn't it there is literally nobody on the planet i think <laughs> other than you and me maybe a couple of other people who have helped us with this who know anywhere mm -hmm. near as much what's about in the this. book yeah, yeah i mean really the the book is the most <laughs> obviously i'm biased but it's the most important project that i've ever worked on i think it's one of the most important projects anyone has ever worked on in the past 10 to 15 years at least i think this may be in the end the most important thing i've ever done we won't know until you know all is said and done but if this book can be read and understood by millions of people and they get past their fear and they they realize it is time to stand up uh it will be the most important work of my entire life it may be the reason i was born um it is so critical that every freedom loving person understand in in the last chapter and i you know i honestly I, you know, don't give away the book. I, I'd read the whole book to you right now on the air if I could. <laughs> um, it is, uh, I'll share anything from this. I don't, go to the library and get it. Just read this book. Um, Derailing the Great Reset is the seventh chapter, the last real chapter. Um, and it starts with Norman Schwarzkopf.
The truth of the matter is you always know what the right thing is to do. The hard part is doing it. And we, we um, outline several different um, things that you have to do. And one is the most important, separating conspiracy facts from conspiracy theory. This is why this book has 50 pages of fine print uh, footnotes. Everything in it is backed up. There is, this is, I would say this, uh, Justin, but you're the co-author of this book. I think there is maybe 5% of this book, maybe, that is opinion. Everything else is is footnoted and documented. It is just fact driven. Yeah, Would you there, agree with that uh, percentage? We, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably true. The, we don't need to enter into our opinions in the vast majority no. of the book because we have so much material to draw Correct. from. So many direct quotes, so many reports going back 10, 15, 20 years. And that right. and the book is full of quotes, full of it. In fact, we had some editors tell us that there were too many quotes in the book. And I said, no, we're going to we should leave them. We should leave the yeah. we should leave the quotes because we need people to see it coming directly from them. Because yeah, it the, doesn't, the number one, one thing that thing they say for, is it's a conspiracy theory, and correct. we need to show them in their own words. Correct, and it's it's one thing for me to say it. It is a completely different thing to hear it from them, and to see it in action, which this book shows you. I, I, I said earlier I was on Tucker last night, and I was really frustrated because. Every topic he talked about was so crucially important last night. It was overwhelming, the news of the day yesterday. Overwhelming. But every answer um, came down to, well, you know, we've got to work on this or we got to work on this. No, the answer is this is all part of the Great Reset and it must be stopped. You can no longer look at individual stories and you can't look at... Red and blue, Donald Trump and, and Biden, that is, that is all fallacy. Socialism, all of that is fallacy. They are rewriting everything. Did you see the op-ed that came out yesterday in USA Today about pedophilia? No. Yeah, it's, uh, this pedophilia article is absolutely incredible. This is in USA Today yesterday. Uh, pedophilia is just inappropriate and one of the most most understood conditions in America and it is no longer supposed to be called pedophilia because that uh, stigmatizes pedophilia they are minor attracted persons oh my God. this is indeed part of the great reset all of this everything that you think you know is going to be rewritten and if you think it can't happen this is what Mao did all history is being rewritten. All norms are being rewritten. All rules are out the out of the uh, rule book and out of the window. Right, and and when you and, and that's one of the things I tell people when I, we were in the process of writing this book, and and now everyone that I talk to about the book, the biggest takeaway is when you read this book, if you actually take the time to read it and you stick with it and you and you approach it with an open mind. When you walk away from this book, you will not be able to look at the news the same way again. Period. You won't. You will. Everything you see, you will realize it is actually interconnected. These are not isolated stories. They all are part of one big problem. And until Justin, we realize you, that, you know, we're not going to fix it. Do you, do you remember, are you old enough to remember when I first started going down the progressive road in Woodrow Wilson? I do. Yes. Okay. 
And it was it's very reminiscent of this, except this is 10 times more powerful, probably a thousand times more powerful. The world didn't make sense. And the number one question that people had was, how the hell did we get here? How did we get from a country that loved the country and everybody was getting along and it was getting better to all of a sudden Obama and what was happening? How did we get there? And the answer was progressivism. Well, I said in 2000, I don't know, 14, 15, that the era of progressivism was over. We were now at the end game, but I couldn't define what the end game was. The Paris Accords were the key to really understanding the Great Reset. If you understand this, if, if you learned anything from me, ever, anything that you thought was of value, and it trained you to look at the world a different way, the scales must fall off your eyes, and you must start seeing the world for what the game is that is currently being played. Are people in Washington? Certainly the people who are involved in this, the media, no intellectual curiosity. In fact, they are working hand in hand because they will become wealthy on this and they will ensure their life. Um, all of this stuff, it, it, at, at best, they're ignorant. Uh, at worst, they're part of it. But the scales have to fall from your eyes. And once you finish this book, you will realize exactly what you just said justin oh my gosh it, it's 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 the matrix i hate yeah. to use the red pill but it is the matrix yeah i think the thing for me that was sort of uh the, the, my sort of matrix moment i guess if you're gonna call it that is when i realized the amount of money behind this that's fueling it when i realized that there were groups that had been working since the paris climate accords and some even before the paris climate accords mm -hmm. in the run-up to that that now have assets under management of a hundred and thirty trillion, not billion, trillion dollars, all calling for some sort of ESG system. When I realized that, I knew that this was the, this was way bigger than a single election, way bigger than a single issue, way bigger than, you know, let's just talk about it one or two times and maybe people will do something about it. No, when you you don't get that kind of money behind a cause. Unless there's a plan, unless there's unless there's an end game, and unless you've been doing this for a very, very long time. And what's interesting is all of this money is much of it is going to buy property. It's going to buy um, tangible assets. Um, you know, BlackRock is now one of the bigger land loaner, uh, landowners in the United States, if not the world. Um, they do have unbelievable access to capital, but they are boxing people out. The reason why I think BlackRock and other companies like this are going in and paying 50% over the asking price of homes. Now, think of that. We know we're in a bubble. The Case-Shiller Index, which measures bubbles for housing, shows that, it, I think it was, what was it, Stu, 130% uh in 2008 it was in the hundred low to mid hundreds we are almost at 300 percent overvalued now 100 is where it should be if it's anything under 100 we've never broken 200 i don't think we've ever broken 175 we are almost at 300 points now on case schiller why 
when that recognizes a massive bubble, why would these companies go in and buy at 50% higher entire neighborhoods? They're doing it because the only thing that will be of value, if you can hold on to it, will be land and property because you will be the renter, not the surf. And when the dollar changes, you will lose everything. And you can fight against this. I don't want this to be gloom and doom. It, it is a lot to take in, and it is frightening. But the eyes of the world are upon us now. There are solutions. The last chapter are actual hard solutions, things we must do. But it begins with educating yourself and getting the facts. You can get it. Go to glensnewbook.com. That's glensnewbook.com. Justin, we'll see you tonight All right, on thanks, uh, the uh, program. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. program um we have uh, Rand paul a guy who has been the leader of uh, fighting fighting uh, fauci and i i'm 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 paraphrasing here i think i and i want to make sure that i have his uh, um his opinion down uh, as we go into this i don't think Rand paul is by any stretch of the imagination anti-vaccine he is uh really uh, anti-corruption and anti uh big pharmaceutical hiding everything and the government coming in it's not a it's not a vaccine problem it's a government problem do i have that right rand yeah i think so and i, I think that the main thing is is i'm against mandates i'm for freedom and i Correct. also think that individuals would make their choice dependent on their risk so the fact that a 10 year old is at very low risk for dying or spreading the disease is different than an 80 year old who's at much higher risk for dying and spreading the thing and so you'd make different decisions, but it still would be an individual decision. If you ask me my advice, though, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vaccinate my 10-year-old kid. I don't think there's any reason to. I also wouldn't vaccinate somebody that I didn't test that was younger for antibodies because if you've already had the disease, you're as well protected or pro- perhaps better than the vaccine from naturally acquired immunity. Okay, so what is, I mean, this yesterday... Um, we now know that because of a FOIA request, we now know what we put out on our special and sent to you from DARPA is real. Uh, that uh, Fauci was, uh, was knowingly involved with uh, gain-of-function research. We uh, know that DARPA turned them down. We know now that uh, because of uh, new memos that what we laid out on our timeline again, where he was calling all these people together and then just uh, discrediting anyone that stepped out of line the day after that meeting happened, we know those things are facts, but he's just playing politics and saying you're smearing him and there are no facts to defend him. Without question, when we look at the origin of the virus, where it came from, the scientists that were corresponding with Fauci from day one on this, as this was unfolding, some of these emails are going on through the middle of the night. They're telling him they've looked at the sequence of the DNA, they've looked at the genome of the virus, 
and they're very, very concerned that there are unusual things in it that don't look like they've come from nature. These are Fauci's buddies all saying this. Within a day or two, though, Fauci and Collins have a big conference call with all of these people, and the people who are telling them privately, we have the emails from them saying, we think it came from the lab, this looks terrible, it doesn't look like it came from nature. Within three days, they've, they've now changed their mind and they've signed a letter which then Fauci edits. So this is how involved he is. This isn't just ancillary people that are unconnected. These are his friends, minions, colleagues, people who he controls the funding for, write a letter to, the, to Nature magazine and say, oh, yeah, we don't think there's any way this could have come from a lab. Then a month and later, this, Fauci and, and Collins are saying, oh, no, it, it didn't take effect. Let's write another letter to Lancet, where they call everybody who says it came from a lab, they call us conspiracy theorists. Um, on top of that, some of the people that went in that were hardcore saying, no, that this, this came from a lab, they changed their mind, and then a couple of months later, they get funding from Fauci's organizations, correct? Without question, it's all tied to funding and lots of funding. So we've talked about what the Wuhan lab got. That's the tip of the iceberg. The Eco Health Alliance got over $100 million over a several-year period. They were funneling some of that to the tune of a few million into the Wuhan lab. But, yeah, it all is about money. And if you cross Tony Fauci, you don't get your money. And the thing so, is, he controls the purse strings for the entire country, the entire university system. He's been doing it for 40 years. People live in fear of what he will do to them. So, you know, I thought a very reasonable question yesterday was, look, you're discrediting all of this. You know, people have made up their mind and you have no credibility left. And he's blaming you for death threats. I mean, uh, I've seen you um, having to get through a crowd uh, after a Trump speech. You've had death threats. You you have had several of them. It's not a new thing. Um, but he's just saying that you're attacking him and it's over nothing but raising money in politics. It's consistent with this arrogance, this level of arrogance that he's developed. He said a couple of weeks ago that he is science, that any attack on him is an attack on science. So yesterday he said that anybody who dares oppose him are encouraging death threats. Well, look, I've been on the receiving end of semi-automatic gunfire. I was 20 yards away from Steve Scalise when he almost died. I was 10 feet away from a staffer that was shot. And you know what? The guy doing the shooting was a Bernie Sanders supporter, but not one of us, not one of the Republicans on the ball field said, oh, it was Bernie Sanders' fault. But that's the juvenile level of personal attack that Fauci is now stooping to. He's saying that the personal threats he gets are actually the fault of his critics. Well, you know, my wife received an, a package that looked like anthrax about a month ago at our house. We've had, we have a woman that's recently been charged with, uh, with threatening to kill us. I was shot at. I've had six of my ribs broken. We were mauled in the city by an angry crowd. So the thing is, is he, he, needs, he needs to back off, but he needs to answer the question. Everything he did in the, in the committee yesterday was misdirection, so he didn't have to ask the question. The question was, why did he smear three scientists from Stanford, Oxford, and Harvard why did he smear them as fringe epidemiologists, and why did he conspire with Francis Collins to take them down in a very public way? He wouldn't answer so, the question. So, so how does this end, Rand? Because 
the same thing happened um, in the uh, in the Senate hearing with the uh, Department of Justice and the FBI. There's no fear there. No fear. Um, how does this end? How do we get to somebody paying a price one way or another? Well, elections have consequences. If you don't control the committees, you don't control the investigations. If you don't control the presidency, you don't have influence at the Department of Justice. You know, look, I've referred Tony Fauci for criminal prosecution to the DOJ, but it's Merrick Garland, the same one who's going after parents at school board meetings. So I don't have any belief that Merrick Garland will do his duty, but we, we are doing the appropriate things, but we can't force them to do their duty. What I can tell people, and this is why elections are important, if we win in 2022, if I'm reelected in 2022 and Republicans take over, I will use the subpoena power. I will not be shy about it. People have seen my interactions with these people. I will get every document and we will investigate where the where the virus came from. We will investigate what Tony Fauci knew when he knew it. And we will get the documents. Yes, he was involved with gain of function research, and he's been lying about that from the very beginning. The same thing that was turned down by the Defense Department, by DARPA, He's doing those same experiments, and he approved them with Dr. Xi. Now, are they identical? He gets away with saying, oh, we never did those experiments. Well, they did virtually identical. They did them on the same theme with the same sort of endpoint of creating new viruses that don't exist in nature and then testing them on human cells. So, yes, they were doing gain-of-function research, and he's gotten away with it because he has a complicit left-wing media that never challenges him. So, Rand, I'm, I'm very concerned about a couple of things. One, the credibility of doctors, science, medicine. Um, it, it, you know, you have doctors right now that are are horrible on this, are not treating people. Um, they just, you know, take some aspirin and go home. There are treatments that are available, but the uh, doctors are afraid to uh, prescribe anything or they're, you know, um, part of this this brainwashing cabal on uh, coronavirus. I think when there is another real problem, science and uh, medicine is going to be in real, real trouble. Do you yeah, feel that coming? Well, the other side of the coin on that, Glenn, is this. While the government doctors and the ones who control government policy have been awful, there's arisen a real group of amazing doctors out there. The three yes. doctors who did the Great Barrington Declaration, Jay Bhattacharya, Martin Kulldorff, and Dr. Gupta, I believe, from Oxford, these are amazing doctors. They're now putting out stuff on uh, brownstone.org. They've become associated with Hillsdale College. Dr. Atlas is part of that. Marty McCary, who you've seen on Fox, is amazing. There are some amazing doctors out there, but it's all sort of peripheral in the sense that they're on podcasts, they're occasionally on yeah. conservative media. But, you know, it wasn't just those three. The Great Barrington Declaration was signed by uh, 50,000 doctors, including myself. So, you know, this is, we're not a small group, and we're out here, but we do have to push back. And the one thing I'll say on therapeutics that everybody needs to know, and many doctors don't even know this. You know, there was a discussion on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and I've largely stayed out of that because I think I don't know the answer. But mm -hmm. now even organized medicine is saying fluvoxamine, F-L-U-V-O-X-A-M-I-N-E, is an antidepressant, and it mm -hmm. has some anti-inflammatory properties. Instead of staying home and doing nothing, it's a very safe antidepressant. You can take that for a week, talk to your doctor, and it may well lessen your risk of being in the hospital. There are treatments out there, 
uh, inhaled steroids are pretty benign. Yes. And most, uh, a lot of doctors are now starting to prescribe that. There's a Dr. Bartlett who's been a real hero out in West Texas talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, um, But people have to be informed, and you can't go along anymore and just say, oh, well, the doctor told me there's nothing to do. Call another doctor. Call your doctor back and say you're sicker, and it's 24 hours later. Can I get the monoclonal antibodies today that you wouldn't give me yesterday? So you have to be an advocate. And really, I tell people all the time, particularly if you're getting older, you need an advocate. You need your spouse to be an advocate, but you also need your kids to be an advocate because the medical world's a complicated world, and it's full of opinions and, and disagreements. But you have to advocate for your family if you want to get them the best treatment. Last question, uh, Rand, is uh, uh, is an overall question. I said to President Trump a couple of weeks ago in an interview that I did with him, this is so out of control. Every department is out of control. Um, and I think that we need to shut these agencies down. And I said, you, you at least have to fire everyone in these federal agencies that have any kind of you know bureaucratic role get them all out and uh, and return to factory settings he said it will be impossible to do unless we have the right uh, gop members and a real commitment to it is you know i i just wrote a book on the great reset i think we need a have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in and restore factory settings I think that yeah, movement I'm, I'm is with, coming. I, I'm with you on eliminating agencies. Many of these agencies have no good purpose, and I would eliminate them completely. But I'm mm-hmm. also for firing people. And so I can tell you the reason Anthony Fauci became prominent was establishment Republicans, head of committees over in the Senate, all loved him at first. And they said, Trump's too erratic, and we don't like what Trump is saying in press conferences. We need a steady hand of a scientist. So in the first couple press conferences, Fauci actually, before he contradicted himself and then contradicted himself and then contradicted himself, sort of sounded reasonable and scientific. Yeah. And, and But he evolved into sort of this media diva who's a partisan left-wing Democrat now. He's nothing else. He is a politician. He wants to take down his enemies. He is not objective in any form. But Trump should have fired him. But what ended up happening is everybody around Trump said, oh, you can't fire him, you can't fire him, or, uh, you know, all hell will break loose. We can't do it before the election. Well, no, he destroyed it for nine months. Trump and Atlas and all the other reasonable people were saying we need to try to save and prevent this illness from those who are vulnerable, the elderly, et cetera. And then Fauci was out there saying everybody needs to be vaccinated and wear four masks on their head. And so that's the problem we ran into. But. If there ever were another Republican administration, we need someone with a strong enough will to fire these people and to yeah. get rid of them. And Congress to do it. it. A lot of these things have to be done by Congress. So uh, good luck. And uh, and you're right. We we have to have strong leaders in Congress. Elections do have consequences. Rand, thank you for the hard fight. Appreciate it. Na, 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 na.